The Holy Gospel is written in the Gospel according to St. Luke, the eighth chapter, beginning at the fourth verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, Jesus spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? And he said unto you, it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. But these have no root, which when the, for a while they believe, but in time of temptation they fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise be to thee, O Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please sit for a moment. Jesus spake by a parable, a sower, went out to sow. You know, parables are a bit like jokes. If you don't see it, then you don't get it, if you know what I mean. Only connect, said E.M. Forster. And that is what Jesus wants us to do whenever he tells us a parable. Make the connection and transpose everything in the parable from the third person into the first person. And as the saying goes, if the cap fits, wear it. And so not least with this very well-known parable of the sower. And indeed, not least as we prepare now, don't we, I hope, for our Lenten disciplines. Lent beginning next Wednesday, don't forget, Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. So let's see if we can make the connection for ourselves today and then see what kind of Lenten discipline will be most appropriate for you and for me this year of grace 2015. The parable doesn't, as you know, speaks of four kinds of ground or soil. And this is where we can begin, yes? We can begin with the soil and the ground as a metaphor for the human heart, for your heart and mine. But, as we shall see in a moment, I don't want us to finish there. 
The common ground in Palestine was split into, in fact, long, narrow strips. And between the strips, there were paths, which were rights of way. When the seed fell on these paths, of course, which were beaten as hard as the ground and the road, it had no chance whatever of bedding down and growing. And so, of course, with our hardness of heart, yes, our hearts can grow hard and do, don't they? Sometimes through cynicism, when we've been hurt or disappointed, sometimes through despair with ourselves <laughs> and with others, sometimes through indifference, sometimes even through pain and suffering. The feeling that life has walked all over us, just like those paths, and hardened our hearts like the pathway. So that God's words of unconditional love is never heard, let alone received, and so literally we don't take it to heart, as we say. Then Jesus says there is the very rocky ground, ground full of stones with only a thin skin of earth over a shelf perhaps of limestone rock. Superficiality, you know, that's the great enemy of love. People who live on the surface, who are superficial, as we say, only skin deep, I like that, for whom their faith is little more than a cosmetic. Love, life, and faith are all on the surface for them. And they will never be, to use St. Paul's words, rooted and grounded in love. For as I often say, no fruits without roots, let alone fruit that will last, as Jesus says on another occasion. Then in Jesus' parable is the ground full of thorns and weeds, fibrous wild grasses, which will grow up, of course, and choke the good seed, as Jesus says. These are people, often good people, yes, you'll see quite a lot of us in church, people like that, like me and you, but their life, and it's so easy, isn't it, simply gets choked with cares, says Jesus, riches and pleasures of life. And so he says, they bring no fruit to perfection, no priorities. As T.S. Eliot says, distracted by distraction. And my God, in the days of telephones and mobiles and emails, distracted by distraction. Removing the ultimate and the important by what is immediate. And whatever else Lent is about, it's surely about sorting out our priorities. First things first. And the things that crowd out may not actually be bad in themselves. They're bad necessarily, but we need to remember that saying that the enemy of the best sometimes is the good. The good which is not good enough. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, says Jesus, and all these other things will be added. And then, of course, the good ground. <laughs> I'm not sure how that connects with me anyway, but or maybe with you. The good ground, cleared of debris, turned over, dug deep and well-prepared, open-minded, open-hearted, 
a faith nurtured with prayer, word, and sacrament, and disciplined. Such a faith is used, does, doesn't it, in fruits. A fruitful life, as we said. She or he had such a fruitful life. What a wonderful compliment that would be in your obituary or mine. A fruitful life, no longer bound up with itself, ah, but open to God and to others in season and out of season, in good times and bad times alike. So, yes, we might want to see which cap, as I said earlier, fits us as part of our preparation for the forthcoming season of Lent and then act accordingly. But, 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 and it's a big but. Yes, the thing we need to see if we're going to get it in this parable is to look first not at the soil and the ground, not at the seed, but the sower. After all, this is the parable of the sower, not the seed or the soil. Otherwise, Christian discipleship, I believe, degenerates into a kind of self-improvement campaign. And we simply take on our Lenten disciplines in order to get a bit slimmer. <laughs> Self-centered, not God-centered. As I said, it's called the parable of the sower. The important S of the three S's is the sower. Now, why do I say that? You see, this sower, God, unlike a wise, experienced farmer who would first do some market research on the ground and not waste seed on land, which would be unfruitful, any of those other three categories which Jesus lists in his parable. You know, I think farmers in the crowd listening to that parable and Jesus telling it, when they heard it, I think they'd simply roar with laughter. Come on, Jesus, you must be joking. No farmer in his right mind will waste seed on rock and the pathways. No farmer with his salt, worth his salt, would waste seed and throw it away on bad ground. What a waste. Ah, but what a sower this God of ours is. Get hold of this, dear brothers and sisters, at the beginning of Lent. What a sower our God is. He makes, as Jesus says elsewhere, the sun to shine both on the righteous and on the unrighteous, and likewise the rain on the unrighteous and the righteous. You see, God's got a place in his kingdom for the bad and the good. Ah, in Noah's Ark, I love it. I was reading it the other day, and I spotted for the first time that both the clean animals and the unclean animals were welcomed and given shelter in the ark of God. And so in his church, yes, there's room for bad Christians, thank God, as well as saints. For the church of God is a hospital for the sick and the sinner, as well as the home for the saint. God scatters the seed of his gospel and of his love here, there, and everywhere. Yes, to right and to left. A generous God, a wasteful God. Yes, for the love of God is broader, as Faber says in that wonderful hymn. The love of God is broader than the measure of men's minds. And the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. Now, when you grasp that, then you can begin to see where you get your priorities right. 
a loving response to love. So as you prepare for your Lenten discipline, start by counting your blessings. By list, not by listing your sins. <laughs> Count your blessings one by one, as the song says. No. Count your blessings ton by ton. And I will tell you what the Lord has done. And then the response. My God, I love thee not because I hope for heaven thereby. No. I love thee because thou first lovest me. And then, yes, and only then, see what your mean and calculating response has been to that well overwhelming love. And then see in what ways you can till the ground of your heart and life this Lenten season to be more open to receive the gift of God in the seed of life in what ways you can respond to such generosity with generosity, with a larger heart and a more generous spirit of compassion in your daily life, in your workplace, in your family, among friends, and in the depths of your heart. You, of course, will need to clear out, we do need to clear out some junk and to see where we are superficial, but do keep our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, on the sower, this God of ours. And believe me, you'll be surprised by how the landscape of your life will change. Yes, change and be changed from one degree of glory to another, as St. Paul says, and how God will patiently perfect what he's begun in you until the harvest of the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.